we have right now a candidate, Candace Avalos, running for city council, running on a platform of government accountability, serves on a city commission with respect to transparency and accountability, uh, running a grassroots campaign, and is joined by our communications director, Peter Wedlick. I'm reminded when we ran for student body office in elementary school, your campaign manager would also, the, the candidate would give a speech, for sixth grade president, and so are their campaign managers. So picking a popular campaign manager was important. So Candace brought reinforcements in the form of a communications director. Uh, Candace and Peter, thanks for being here. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Uh, Candace, who are you and why are you running? Well, uh, so again, my name is Candace Avalos. I am originally from Virginia, moved to Portland uh, back in 2013. I have built a career in the education field, and so that's kind of how I think it segued into my interest more into government. Um, student government, you mentioned that. Um, I was definitely a big part of my life. Um, spent a lot of um, my education and leadership in the student government world. Um, and so when I got here to Portland, I decided to get a little bit more involved beyond just my day job to see how I could impact the policies and um, things that were happening in Portland. So I joined the Citizen Review Committee and I think that really opened my eyes to the many ways that City Council can evolve and um, update into the 21st century of how we govern um, our people. So I decided that I wanted to run on a platform of addressing our form of government on um, police accountability. As you mentioned, I'm the vice chair of the Citizen Review Committee. So that's definitely a big part of my platform. And of course, you know, addressing the, the large issues around housing and transportation um, and just bringing a fresh voice to the table. What are two really important things you think you would bring to the job that no other candidate's going to bring to the job? Absolutely. Well, first, I'd say that my experience as an educator working with young people and seeing their perspective and how they want to um, have how they want to be governed by their leaders, I think, is um, something that I can offer a different lens on how we um, again, govern in the 21st century. Um, I think that I have a lot of experience working at PSU that, you know, frankly, it's a microcosm of the city of Portland. And so I felt that a lot of the city's problems were being reflected on campus, like our issues around public safety, house of students, food insecurity. Um, so I think that I also have on the ground uh, perspective on what the average Portlander is dealing with, and I want to bring their voice to the, to the table. In talking to Carmen Rubio when she was sitting in that chair, and thank you, Candace, for being with us. Um, if I can call you Candace, what do you want? Yeah, to, what do you like to yeah, be of course. Uh, and I said, what What do you think really needs to be changed? What is the mayor doing wrong? What is the city council doing wrong? And she said she didn't think the city was doing anything particularly wrong. She she was taking essentially sort of a stay the course uh, path. And I think there's a lot of work to do. She doesn't think everything is perfect in the city, but in terms of the decisions the city is making, she she did not call out significant mistakes. Uh, do you share that? Uh, what do you think the city is doing wrong, or do you think we basically need to stay the course? Well, I am definitely not a candidate that is that believes that we're not doing anything wrong. It's not necessarily that I'd say everything they're doing is wrong, but I do think that when it comes to how city council and city hall, I mean, is held accountable, there are a lot of gaps in how we are engaging with constituents, how we are... Um, 
you know, giving access to the decisions that are being made. Um, so I think that part of what I'm what I mentioned I'm bringing is a different perspective of leadership and how we do that. Um, but how does your perspective differ from Carmen's? Well, I think that, you know, working in education, um, just again, seeing how different, um, you know, in this age of technology, in this age of social media, how the government is held accountable by its people. I think we are, many of our systems are a little outdated. They're a little archaic. Um, it's very like come to City Hall and talk to us at, you know, one day during the week and that's how you are heard. So how should we do it? Well, definitely one thing that um, I really appreciate about, for example, Joanne Hardesty, um, Joanne Hardesty's office, is how she's been going out there, having community conversations, really bringing um, her leadership out to the community um, and engaging with people, meeting them where they are. Um, and I think that that is the bare minimum we should be doing. Um, more, more of outreach, more engagement with the constituents. Um, I think that's a big area that I'd like to see City Hall change. Do you think that's um, a distinction between you and Carmen Rubio? Um, I guess I'm not, sh I, I, I'm not sure um, how she feels exactly about that. I mean, I think that, um, you know, how we use technology, how we leverage, leverage technology um, to engage people is something that um, is close to my heart, just working with students and student government. And so I think that that I bring that difference. How should we leverage technology? So go, going out and, you know, doing town hall meetings. Awesome. And and do you mean we should be doing that with technology? Or do you mean we should do technology stuff in addition to town hall meetings? Town hall meetings, obviously, are, you know, 1700s technology, which which <laughs> thankfully remains. Uh, what else should we be doing? Yeah, I mean, I think it is about getting out there um, and having other ways for people to give feedback. So whether that's canvassing, I know the budget office recently did that, and I think that I thought that was a really good step to mm -hmm. really be on people's doorsteps and ask them what are the things that are important to them and how you know what are the decisions they want to see made. Um, I think how we use social media um, and even just things like the website. You know, it's not very user friendly. It's really hard to find information. It's hard in general to just know what city council is up to. It is hard. So how we're using, you know, people are on their phones, you know, they're on the internet. How are we using that in a way that we're bringing the government to them mm -hmm. instead of making it, you know, this really obscure thing that you have to try to dig around and figure out how decisions are made, what they're doing, what they're up to, especially around issues that Portlanders care about. Mm -hmm. You know, with housing, for example, it's like, what is being done? You know, we see these little like press releases here and there. We see you know, very little information, I think, as an, and this is coming from somebody as an average Portlander who has been trying to keep up with what um, they've been up to. And I think that they could do more to use technology to reach us. So in terms of process, hear you that there's ways that the city could improve engaging folks. I think that's a, a really helpful topic. If the process were improved or if more people were engaged, what are some decisions that you think might have happened differently? Or what are some things mm. that you think the city ought to do better at or mistakes that this mayor, that this city council has made that you think a better process could have yielded a better result? Yeah. Well, I would say that, again, one area I care a lot about is police accountability. We're about to go into another um, process of negotiating the police contract. And I think um, learning from what happened four, three, four years ago now when they were last um, negotiating the contract. There was a lot of controversy over um, the city taking 
people's feedback at City Hall or how they were engaging with people about what are the things that they wanted to see changed in PPB. I think it's something that is trending across the country about people wanting accountability and transparency in the police. Um, So I feel like there could have been more opportunities to not only get out in the community and just kind of talk to people. I mean, meet meet people where they are. It doesn't have to be super complicated and it doesn't have to mean we're saying, hey, give us all your, you know, tell us in-depth policy, you know, proposals that you have. I think the average person just wants to say, hey, this is my experience. This is what happened. Here's what I think. And then, you know, as leaders, we go back and we take all that information and turn it into policy. So I think that that was an example of a way that we could have been better at engaging people because then it ended up in a lot of frustration and anger that people felt closed out of the process. Pop, you got a question. I have a question, and so you know where I'm coming from. Yeah, you have a great voice. I love listening to you. (laughs) (laughs) I I have been participating for quite some time in the Albina Ministerial Association's Committee on Police Reform and Justice, and therefore I have some familiarity with what you are doing and what your committee is doing where you are the vice chair. Mm -hmm. Imagine that uh, you are elected, and the mayor, whoever the mayor happens to be, decides that he or she really doesn't want to be police superintendent anymore and so makes you police superintendent. Mm -hmm. Could you suggest one, two, or three things that you would pretty quickly try to do that might be different from the way things are going now? That's a great question. Um, I think that in my experience with the CRC in particular, one thing that I believe really needs to change is how... um, what that accountability process looks like for this board, like the Citizen Review Committee. Right now, we feel very um, limited in our ability to um, make changes or recommend changes to um, certain decisions that the Bureau makes. Um, And I feel like I want to bring, you know, Bureau leadership together with the rest of the City Council and um, people that are on these commissions like the PSEP, like CRC, um, like the Training Advisory Committee, and really come up with a plan to make sure that the work that they're doing is valuable. Um, Because I think that we, there have definitely been situations where we just feel frustrated, like we are doing all this work where, you know, we had a forum a couple of months ago, we're collecting all this information, but we don't know where it's going. And I think that that's really disheartening for people that are putting in their, you know, their time and energy into this and care about this. And it doesn't seem like um, that our recommendations are really being heard. So I feel like that's one big area that I would like to see improved, um, how those systems help um, or encourage um, commissions like ours to really have an impact. Um, I think that also we really need to address how we're going to um, handle public demonstrations. That's another, as the um, crowd control work group chair, we've been looking a lot into how PPB responds to protests. I think it is a really important cornerstone of our American society, the ability to speak freely and um, demonstrate on things that you know we care about. And I've been very concerned by um, the response to, you know, people who are silently or peacefully, sorry, protesting. So I think that's one big area that I would want to address, how we're training our officers, how are we making decisions on what we do when um, demonstrations get out of hand, or, you know, how do we let people demonstrate in a way where it doesn't feel like police intervention is always necessary. So I think those are two big areas that I would want to address. How do you feel about giving 
a citizens committee, either the IR or, or your committee, subpoena power so they can require particularly policemen to appear and be heard on complaints. Do you mean appear like in the citizen review right, committee? The, the, yeah, the, they, the, they can be right now, right now, the there is no organization representing the citizens that has the ability to force pol- a policeman to come and then respond to complaints. And I just wonder if you think they should be given the subpoena power. Um, and if you haven't thought about that, I will just urge you to think <laughs> about it. It's something I haven't really thought about. I appreciate your question, and I will think about that. I, I mean... For me personally, I think that, you know, this idea of like having subpoena power or forcing people to come to the table, I know sometimes it's necessary, but I think there's also other ways we can approach it where it doesn't have to feel like it's, you know, we're trying to take control and say, you know, you have to be here or else. Um, So that's why I was like, oh, I'm not sure how I feel about, you know, this concept of subpoena power, but I will think about that. But overall, um, yeah, it it has been, um, you know, disheartening to see that they haven't engaged with us in a lot of ways that I feel they could really benefit from being part of the discussions we're having. So trying to figure out how we um, bring them in um, and have a have conversations that we can understand each other's perspectives and move forward with joint solutions, I think is important. I'll give you another one to think about. I am hoping that the legislature will seriously consider, and and indeed as a former prosecutor, I believe the legislature should enact a law which assigns the attorney general responsibility for acting as the prosecutor or the potential prosecutor, the prosecuting investigator, on all deadly force cases of the police so that you take it out of the hands of the local district attorney. So and I, I can give a long disquisition as to why I think that would be valuable. But anyway, if that by any chance does is seriously considered by the legislature, not in the short session, but in the long session in 21, and you just happen to be police commissioner, hope you'll take a good look at that one. Thank you. I will definitely think about that. Uh, the Columbia River Crossing, the <coughs> bridge to the highway project to Vancouver and the I-5 widening, uh, mm. at the same time as you have lots of uh, essentially, you know, Democrats win races in Portland and Democrats now are winning races in Oregon for the last bunch of years. And most of them with endorsements of environmental organizations, most of them with a recognition of uh, catastrophic climate change, and yet the very biggest investments that uh, that were making, and and I should I should say that Oregon is not on track to hit its climate goals, and the reason it's not on its tra- on track to hit its climate goals is because of emissions by transportation, is by car emissions, is because of highway travel, and at the same time as all of that is the con- provides the context, the biggest expenditures on uh, on transportation spending that are being proposed are for massive highway expansions to build a big car throughput uh, between here and Washington State. How do you feel about that expenditure of transportation resource? What do you think we ought to do about it? And what have you done about it? Yeah, this is something that actually just me and my personal friends, we I've had debates among them about um, because I think that 
widening the highways is a response to a reality that there are many people who are turning to um, vehicles to get from point A to point B. I think there's going to, in order to address whether we say, yes, we want to widen the highways or not, we really need to be thinking about what we're doing to build up our transportation infrastructure. I am a commuter. I have a car, but I take the max to work every day. And um, I think it's a really important resource that, unfortunately, um, not everybody in the outskirts of the city has easy access to. So I feel like that needs to be addressed if we are going to widen the highway. Um, <clears throat> to address um, um, a shorter term need. Um, I think the longer term picture needs to be, what are we doing to expand the max rails? What are we doing to expand services to different parts of town, including um, to and from Washington, because obviously there are a lot of commuters coming across um, into Portland. Um, but you know, I think it's tricky um, because we are trying to hit our climate goals. We are trying to um, adapt to a world that really needs us to um, you know, stop these carbon emissions and have um, a better um, environmental plan to protect our planet. So I think that um, I'm open to talking about, you know, if expansion is necessary, but I think that I'm only going to have that conversation um, when talking about how we're going to expand transportation. Do we have a are you sat, communications director? Are you satisfied with that answer? <laughs> All right. All right. The, uh, uh, what? Any other topic you really want to make sure, Dad? Did you have a follow up? I did, and th this is not. A, well, I guess this is the form of a question that I hope you will consider. When we're talking about any governmental policy, a governmental policy should be aimed at producing the sort of behavior that we want to encourage. Mm. And what is being discussed right now is once again building a great big bridge over the Columbia River mm -hmm. encourages people to live in Clark County and to work in Multnomah or Washington or Clackamas County. Mm -hmm. And I hope that you will, would really consider a, a thing that I've been talking about for a while, and that would be to put a toll on folks not based on just the time of day but on the number of people in the car mm. and then have a system which with the with the net internet is so easy to make it easy for people to find co-drivers for people to carpool with mm. and i just bet you within 6 months of a program like that being installed we could cut the number of cars crossing during busy hours by easily a third and maybe by a half. So I hope you'll think about that. Thank you. Any other topic you want to make sure we cover? We're just about to the end of our time. I, I hope we have a chance to talk again. Anything else you want to close with that you think demonstrates why you would, how you'd be different than Amanda Fritz or how you'd be different than Carmen Rubio or any other candidate who might enter the race? Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, this is my first time running for office. I just finished the Emerge Oregon program this year, which gave me a lot of good resources to um, pursue running for office. And I think that, you know, it's been a long path for me getting here. And what ultimately pushed me over the edge was I feel that um, there's a new generation of voices that need to be heard. Um, I think that my perspective as someone who, you know, I don't want to like be too hard on the millennial trope, but I do think it's important that we're having younger people step up into these positions to reflect what their lived experiences are, how it's difficult for me to build capital and to be able to own a home, you know, how um, 
you know, we're making decisions that are going to impact um, the generations coming after us. So I feel like that's a big part of my campaign, trying to build up this grassroots movement of people that haven't necessarily been involved in the political process before and encouraging them to do that. I mean, it's at very close to my heart. That's what I do at Portland State. I work with student government um, and Greek life there, and I um, teach an internship class that helps students get engaged um, civically. So that's really important to uh, my campaign, and that's also something I really want to build a better connection with City Hall in Portland State. I think it's a really valuable resource to have down the hall. I'm sorry, down the street. Um, And I I think we need to be tapping into um, young, innovative voices. How's the grassroots campaign going? How are you enjoying it? It's great. You know, I'm learning a lot. Uh, I've I've run campaigns before. I used to run yeah. for student government all the time, obviously yeah. a different scale. But I think I'm remembering what I love so much about it. And I just genuinely love interacting with people and getting to know what they're passionate about and just harnessing that power um, and being able to represent their voice is important. You run in public. You run in, you're running on public financing. I am. I'm doing the open and accountable elections program. How close are you? Uh, I'm about a little over halfway there to getting to my 250 donors. Um, So working on it and pushing hard, hustling, but um, we're going to get there. I think I have a lot of people that are supporting me and they're putting their support in their time and their money and we're, we're growing. Candice, you put uh, emphasis on the first syllable, Candice Avalos. Yeah. Candice Avalos. Thank you so much for being with us. Where can people find out more? What's the website? CandiceForPortland.com. CandiceForPortland.com. Thank you so much for spending time. Thanks for having me.